Boom. All right. We're live. See? Happened so seamlessly, right? Yeah, right. Um, okay. So, uh, hello, anybody tuning into this. Uh, my name is Mike Mills, and this is the uh, Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast. However, um, just like last time, uh, there'll be no real estate or finance talk today. Um, wearing my hat again. The reason I wear the hat is to differentiate when I go back and look at these, whether or not I'm talking about real estate or if I'm talking about something that I'm interested in. So uh, not that I'm not interested in real estate, obviously it's my job. <laughs> but um, today I have uh, Mr. Zach Cameron with me. Um, now, Zach is uh, first and foremost, he is a chiropractor and um, his, he works at, uh, is it mind and body? It's body and balance. Body and balance. Yes, body okay. And body and balance. balance. Is it chiropractic clinic or what's the chiropractic and wellness? Okay. Yeah. So body and balance, chiropractic and wellness. I should have had that written down. I had it in my head and <laughs> forgot to look at it. Um, and um, he is also a uh, baseball coach. Um, he, I uh, believe you coached uh, prior to in like a high school setting or. or... No, no, no. So, so I just picked it up when I was in college okay. as a, as a kind of like a summer gig. Gotcha. And now you do like and, private instruction. So, yeah. And... So now I, um, just because of time now I just do like the private instruction type okay so we're gonna talk about a couple of things today we're gonna talk about um, baseball a lot because uh, big fan of it and I'll tell you how I got associated with Zach here and then after we get through our baseball stuff which may take a second we'll get into the chiropractic side of things because I also have a, an intense interest in that especially because my opinion on chiropractic T is that is that Chiropr just chiropractic chiropractic work has changed uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years and so I have some questions for you I want to want to get your insight on that because um, I do think that especially when it comes to chiropractic care my opinion on what it was and what it actually is has changed quite a bit simply because I started understanding more and more about the total body um, approach that most chiropractors take to actually solving um, the root causes of problems that you're having in your body versus just handing out medication, you know, to solve some symptom. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so that kind of stuff is fascinating for me as well. So, but I want to start with the baseball stuff first, um, just because if I don't, then Jamil will, uh, you know, will, will string me up or something. He'll come, come after me, but that's why I'm wearing my soldier's gear today. So shout out to Jamil. If you see this buddy, um, but uh, that's how I met Zach. Um, my son plays with uh, 817 um, Soldiers Sports Franchise that uh, Jamil Coleman currently runs along with a bunch of other folks. And um, I got to know Zach a little bit because he is a catching, uh, does catching instruction primarily, and um, and then is out there with the boys all the time. So I have a, a ton of fascination in there. So how did you initially come into uh, working with, and I know they weren't called 817 when you came on right. board, they were actually the Patriots, but yeah. um, how did that all come about? So so background about me too, um, I'm from Midlothian. So, okay. so Ellis Midlothian County? High, yeah, Ellis County, went to Midlothian High School, yep. um, played baseball there. Okay. Um, my um, went to college in Arkansas at Harding University. It's a uh, D two school, but okay. my freshman year, I think my mom started a new job uh, with the owner of the uh, Tarrant County Patriots. Okay, and he found out I was a baseball player. I got you. So she started working there first. Yes, yeah, so okay. she started working there first, and then uh, and then she he saw her pictures of me in my baseball gear, and then uh -huh. that. She start, he started asking questions yeah. like, hey, would he be interested in coming to help coach? Because at the time, I think it was maybe him and maybe I think he had one other guy that was doing a was lot Was that when of Pete stuff. was there? Because um, I, I, my Troy actually played with the Patriots a couple, like okay. a fall or spring season. Pete and then uh, Eddie Paris. Yes. So, yes. yeah, Coach Eddie. Okay. Yeah, so, th it was them two were the main guys. And then um, and then I'd come help out during the summertime. 
Um, and it got to the point where when I, originally I was just kind of tag team and I'd be like the second coach on the field okay. with a lot of the teams. Yeah. And then I think after the first year of me doing it, um, I actually took over teams, high school teams. Okay. And so they kind of gave me free reign and I, I love coaching the high school team cause I don't have to do a whole lot. Cause at that point, they kind of know they, a lot they, of they, they, they're learning. So, yeah. so for me, you're uh, more fine tuning. You're not exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, my, my philosophy on that was I'm going to just go let them play. Yeah. I'll give them, if they do something in that inning or something, I'm not going to yell at them during the inning, yeah. but cause I know, Hey, hey I messed up. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah, they, yeah. You don't have <laughs> but, to tell them that they made a yeah, mistake. But yeah. when they come in, I can, I can definitely say, Hey, Hey, what about this Think about this. Just hey, you let that ball come play you. Just make sure you you're taking initiative and you're attacking everything, kind of thing. So um, when you first got into the coaching, are you coaching a team now? Or are you just doing I'm instruction? Not, I just do instruction because okay, uh, you have a job now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being a chiropractor, I say I work quite a bit, so yeah, it's hard to find that extra time to right on the weekends at least. So the instruction side of stuff, um, are you? If you had your druthers, like, do you? I know you enjoy the instruction because you do it, but. Um, are you kind of like, man, I wish I could coach too. And I know time wise it is, right. or do you just like, Hey, I really just prefer I, instruction. I, I really like the instruction aspect of it. Cause mm -hmm. I, I like getting in there and kind of fine tuning it. Yeah. Um, I, I, it would be fun to coach a team again. Right. Um, but that is a big time commitment. Yes. And, and so I have, I have a lot of, uh, cool things happening in the chiropractic side. We might talk about here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's kind of developing. And so that might be taking some more of my time away that I wouldn't be able to coach a team, but yeah. I still like doing the, the, developmental and instructional aspects of it. Yeah. The hard part about coaching, especially um, at this age a little bit, and regardless of what people think, and I'm sure if Jamil hears this, he'll chime in on that part, but um, you know, there's, it, you're not getting rich doing that stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's a passion. Like yeah, if you're 100%. doing it, it's a passion. hundred percent. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it's tough whenever you, especially, you know, you said you recently got married and you know, um, or within the, about three years ago, three I think years, you said. Yeah. Uh, so when you start your family and you're starting to kind of head down that direction, it's like, man, I have this passion for this thing I like to do, but I also have this other passion that could possibly pay my bills. And so yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I think I'm going to, you know, go down that road a little bit more. Right. 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 Well, I always kind of tell my wife that it was like, so baseball's, baseball's like the thing that allows us to do some fun stuff. Like, yes. Or yeah. Get, get the little fun thing that we might want or like new pair of shoes or something. <laughs> right. It's a little extra income that adds yeah. to it. So, yeah. so you were, um, you were, were you a catcher? I was a catcher. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, um, I have a special interest in that simply because I caught, um, not, in high, I wasn't a college player. I just caught in high school and through when I was growing up and then my son catches a little bit too. Um, although he's, it was funny this year I was talking to him about, I was like, Hey, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, he's like, I really want to pitch more. And you know, I want to play in the outfield. And I was like, well, what about catching? He's like, well, I mean, I don't want to not catch. He's like, it's just, I've been doing it for so long and right. you know, and yeah. I just want to try some of the stuff and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, um, you know, whenever I talk to coaches in the past, um, my, my personal opinion when it comes to anything with youth baseball in general is that, um, hitting is a primary concern because if you can, and this is a the joke I tell my son or whatever, but it's like, if you show up to freshman tryouts in high school and you go up to the plate and you hit 10 bombs, okay, over the fence, and then you go out to the field and you play right field and you drop four or five fly balls, okay, they're still going to find a place to put you in the lineup, that. right? You'll be the age. Yes, exactly. <laughs> play. Right. Yeah. So, um, so we, we try to focus a lot on that, but, um, from a, from a catcher's point of view and a coach's point of view, when parents start to concern themselves with what position their kid plays on the field, how, at, you know, how, a, how important is that? Does it matter? B, right. 
you know, as they're progressing, is it better, you know, to specialize in a particular position? Is it better to learn all the way around? At what age should they start specializing? All that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so the big thing I would tell a lot of parents is they should play wherever. Okay. Um, our, our, growing up, my all my coaches were told, like, if we were asked what position to play, is say, where do you want me to play? Right. That's, that's, that's the answer. answer. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Even if you get to go to college. Gotcha. Yeah, it's where do you want me to play? Right. I can learn it. Right. Um, because if you have that willingness – then they'll, they'll find Whereas you. if you say I'm a shortstop and they're like, well, we already got a shortstop. So, exactly. I don't to so, so, so they'll go move on to the next kid. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so especially um, in the younger, like middle school age, mm -hmm. I would say play everywhere okay. um, and play as many positions you can play. Um, as many reps in every spot. Exa exactly. Um, so, I mean, obviously it was a kids all have different body types, stuff like that. Some right. are a little more athletic than others right. at younger ages. And so I'm saying yeah. obviously the more athletics tend to get put in center field, shortstop, second base kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but say that doesn't mean that Bob's son that plays third base because he's a little bigger at sixth grade age or whatever, that he won't be a shortstop growing right. up. When so he's 16 or 17. Exactly. So yeah, yeah he's at third base. And, but if he takes reps at shortstop or works on getting that extra range mm -hmm. and say, whenever he hits his growth spurt, he might be six, two and be right. 180 pounds and right. be able to get. And then has some, right. at least has some fundamentals in that spot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I always tell kids, especially at least just work in the infield and outfield. Yeah. Um, I have one catcher in particular that I worked with, um, uh, when I was with Tarrant County, mm -hmm. um, and I was worried about him. <laughs> he couldn't feel the ground ball. He he was crazy scared. We put him in the outfield. He had three balls hit him in the head. Oh man. Five ball. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just like, his dad's like, he wants to try out catching. And I was like, okay, okay. let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he hasn't tried it before. Yeah. Um, and we put him beyond the plate. My first lesson, I was like, I looked at his dad. I literally threw like 10 balls at him. I was like, what? we got it. Yeah. I was like, this is it. Yes. And now he, I think uh I'm forgetting how old he is now, but he's Played varsity all four years at I think Alvarado. Oh wow! Yeah, so as a catcher as or a catcher. Okay, a catcher. That's all he did. Yeah, yeah. Say so he's yeah. So do you think now the reason um, when I first because I coached for a little I mean not like you guys but you know I just coached kids when they were younger. Um, part of the reason I put my son behind the plate was because he was I tell him he's a spaz like he just he, his attention span is like this then you know and if as a seven year old if I'd stuck him out in left field. I would have lost him most of the time because yeah. there's very little interest. And so I put him behind the plate strictly because I understood it, obviously, so because I played it, but also um, it just keeps him engaged in the game the whole time. And then also, my again, my opinion was that he learned a lot about the game because you see the whole field all the time from behind yeah. the plate versus otherwise. So um, do you think that, you know, if you have a kid that's starting to play baseball, you know, is – I understand you're saying, hey, play all the positions that you can play, but would you recommend to a parent to say, hey, look, let them try catching, whether they like it or they don't, just because it has a lot of advantages? Yeah, and um, say so I think one thing with 817 that we do really well, or Coach Demille does, um, is he – kind of pushes them to be catchers like yeah he's always trying to find catchers because yeah we have eight catchers on our 13 exactly <laughs> and, and it's because it's because their legs are gonna get tired yep. um especially when we get into full season they're playing or practicing two three times a week and yep. they're playing on the weekend so so bodies are gonna be fatigued tired plus if they're playing another sport they're yeah. doing that during the week too um so it was i get a lot of he he'll just text me he's like hey i'm sending this new guy to you yeah um and i was like, i love it 
Yeah. Um, it's like, that's really good. Cause then I can have the other kids who have been working with me actually try to teach them some stuff or talk to them while they're waiting their turn to go. Um, which is great too, because if you have kids, cause I think this is huge and this is one of the things that, you know, that you said and Jamil does great as well. But when you tell a child something and explain something to them and they perform it, maybe they understand it, they do it, you know, whatever the drill is. But then if you can have them explain it to somebody else yeah. and have them work through that in their brain on how to break it down. They understand it that okay, much better. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So if it makes sense in their head then and then they're able to perform it better. Yes. So, so same thing with even education. If you're learning something or studying something and you can go tell someone else yeah. about what you're learning, you're, that means you know it. Right. And so, so that's kind of the philosophy within that. And that's usually why whenever I'm working with my individual groups that I'm usually doing three, two or three four, kids. Yeah. yeah. Cause they need breaks too. And right. Especially yeah. cause I'm going to make them hold a squat for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to wear out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with all that too, um, I catching, you have to be an athlete to be a catcher too, because yeah. you're, you're moving left, right. You're in a squat. You have to be able to get out of that. You have to be able to spring on your legs. So oftentimes a lot of our catchers actually play middle infield. So, oh they, wow. yeah. So like, or they'll be a center fielder or something. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's several of them that are middle infielders. Um, who's I'm trying to think of one in particular. I mean, I think they all do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, yeah. Everybody on our group, I think for the most part, can they, play. Yeah, you know, in the middle everywhere. infield. So, so that's that's one thing I love. I played second base growing up a lot too, mm-hmm. and even third base. I was mm-hmm. a short, stocky kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and so catching kind of got sprung on me just because or when I was playing like rec ball before I got into playing right. select baseball. Well, it's weird because nobody ever wants to catch. Like right. if, if you ask kids, like, do you want to catch? Very rarely is somebody like, oh. yeah, because they're all, especially at a younger age, there's that fear of the ball. Right. right. They're like, why would I want to willingly get hit by a baseball? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or have someone like potentially hit me with the bat. Yeah. yeah and, and any child that comes to you and says, hey, I want to play catch, you're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, you seem like you might be a little mentally unstable. Are we sure that we're all right here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> You've been hit a little too much. Right? Yes. Yeah. Do, what, what is your, you know, something happening at home. You okay? Um, do you, uh, so, okay. So let's just stay on the catching thing for a second because I like to nerd out on a few of these things. But so if you're working with a kid, where do you start as a base fundamental to say, okay, you know, you want to learn how to be a catcher first. You got to do this. Then you got to do this. Then you got to do this. And how do you work? How do you work that progression? So, so I think a lot of this kind of strings from my college career and what one of my coaches or what we worked on quite a bit is mobility. Okay. And so, um, the first thing I work with any catcher, whether they've been with me for a while or not, and I always kind of start back when we start back up for our springtime, mm-hmm. is I work on the same thing. And so the first thing is is being able to move your hips side to side so you okay. can keep your chest center of the ball. Part of that kind of idea is that if your eyes are moving because your shoulders are moving, right. then it's making the ball move too much. Okay. But if you're moving through your hips, your head stays more level gotcha. and still so that you can catch the ball a little easier so you can track it in better, especially once you start getting into the older ages and when you have breaking balls and right. stuff like that, right. it makes it a little The tracking is extremely exactly, important. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, one other, so that's the first thing is working on the mobility and stuff. And then um, if you notice in the facility, I use these little small, they're little um, foam golf balls. Yeah, yeah. And so one, that's working on soft hands because they're foam, so they bounce right. off their hands uh, pretty easy, but they're having to move and track those little balls. And I kind of got that idea from um, Robinson Chirinos. Oh, really? I remember okay. when he first started catching for the Rangers, uh-huh. um, they used to video on him um, in the dugout. He'd have a little card with colors and, and they were talking about him doing it for visual stuff. Oh, wow. And so, and I could be wrong in this, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, it stuck with me. And that's whenever I started, I was like, okay, well, that 
makes sense. Yeah. So now we're having to pick up colors into, I don't go in as far as where I make the kids say the color that they're catching or anything like that, but yeah. it's still, they're having to pick up a smaller object and, and catch the ball. Well, and on that, I noticed um, when I first started playing with you guys too, that um, Jamil was real big on, well, and not big on, but he would, he would, for lack of a better word, blame the catcher whenever the pitcher was struggling a little bit on hitting the zone because yeah. he, he's, you know, you're not, if you're not giving him that target or the target's the wrong word, if you're not receiving the ball in a proper way because you're stretching to reach to it or you're not moving your hips over in front of the ball, then that tracks the umpire's eyes to say, okay, well, he missed his spot. Whereas just a slight, a slight shift in your hips, yeah. may you maybe you get that call versus stretching over your arm and trying to grab 100%. it. 100%. Because yeah. then, then um, if you move your body too, just like anything, if your center of gravity's behind you, right. behind your arms and stuff, you're you're able to control it more. So right. if you're reaching for the ball to try to catch it, then it becomes a long lever, mm -hmm. which then the ball is gonna, especially when you get higher velocities, that ball is gonna carry your glove out and start moving it. Whereas if you right. put your body and chest behind the ball and your shoulders is more locked in, yeah, then you're able to manipulate the ball and move it around where you want it to. And so so with all my my instruction, it's mobility, moving, getting that motion down, mm -hmm. trying to get it in your head that you need to start moving the hips back and forth, mm -hmm. and then we start going with hand eye coordination, and then it's framing. Well, and it's crazy too. Um, you know, I, I thought my son was a fairly athletic kid and, you know, could move around and bounce around, but kids hips are actually really, really tight a lot of times, you know, and it's crazy how much, how much that makes a difference just in the ability to sit comfortably in a squat, you know, to be able to, to like nobody's on base, you're framing up pitching, whatever. But, um, I was shocked at how many, like, and I've seen it just because of, you know, what Belinda does with the yoga and all the other things that a lot of these boys, you know, that are baseball players, it's so important that they have that mobility, but very few of them actually do. Right. Right. And I'm saying, I used to preach yoga, yoga before Belinda started helping us out, which she's godsend. I'm so glad you're Yeah. Her. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but that's how I would say, all right, yoga, 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 yoga. And I used to, before my sessions, um, I started spending more time trying to work on things, but before my sessions i would do um a big hip mobility thing yeah basically 20 30 minutes and so my my times have gotten because of work my times have gotten a little shorter in the duration of my lessons that i give right um so i had to kind of knock that out but right. as i always preach yoga 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 because yeah. that was my biggest thing and and we'll get into this in a little bit but that's kind of how i got into chiropractic oh really uh, through yeah. the yoga piece yeah. so the yoga piece because i um i went to work out there's a place in Midlothian called atlet uh -huh. um so i went there when it first kind of started and um, my chiropractor, my mentor, uh, was doing movement screenings. So he was just doing simple things to test how much mobility we had. Wow. And I was a catcher and couldn't do a, a squat with keeping my heels on the ground. Right. And so he was like, "That's a problem." Yeah. <laughs> and then if yeah. I could, show, if I had, a, if I were more prepared, I could have shown a picture of me, uh, my freshman year in high school, and just show my squat. You're just would, up on your toes the whole time. Cringe. Well, no, I wasn't on my toes, but I was basically my knees were out like a foot and a half from my body really? and i was like sitting on my heels with my feet like out like this if y'all can see it on the screen wow so uh so it was it looked awkward right and i i don't know understand how i, how I was good at catching with that kind of stance but i made it work but so what is your opinion since you played in college and you i know you played division two but either way it's still you know you're still playing and you're you're going through the grind of all that so so parents right now that are um and I'll give you my opinion on it just so you can frame it in a way. But so like when we, when I talk to my kids about sports in general, when we talk about baseball, football, basketball, whatever, we, we tend to play, my son plays everything. My daughter's a volleyball player, played a lot of stuff when she was younger. But my whole thing about any athletic endeavor when it comes to team sports is that the benefit of playing playing team sports is that you get certain 
you know, um, characteristics that you develop as a person that carry you through all other points of life. So for example, you know, you learn how to lose. Like, I think that's a big, big deal when you learn how to lose and you learn how to, you know, understand that sometimes you lose cause you didn't prepare. And sometimes you lose because maybe you got cheated for real. Maybe that happened, but either way, you still lost. There's nothing you can do about it. So how are you going to figure out how to get over that and move on? Right. right? Yeah. Um, also you have to interact with people. You have to deal with people that on, on your team that aren't like you or different than you or whatever. And so you have to be able to have um, interpersonal skills to be able to communicate with them, to understand that you have to take instruction, right? You have to be able to be coached. You have to learn that, 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 you know, you're not right all the time that somebody can teach you something and learn how to listen and pay attention and, and then take, take lessons somebody gives you and then put them, you know, to practice in your, in your own daily life. And I think that, that all of those things, you know, make for a very well-rounded successful person. And like, even in my business, whenever I look to hire employees, if I come across somebody that was a former athlete, especially in college, mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I can figure out how to make this person what I need him to be yeah. because more often than not, they have those base skills that make them a good, you know, um, I don't want to say good worker, but just somebody who has value for, for trying to be successful at something and knows the, knows the steps in order to make that happen. Right. Yeah. And so the, the way I look at youth sports in general, and I tell my kids, this is like, I don't care if you play in high school, I don't play, care if you play in college in, and then of course, beyond that, whatever. And I always say that, um, and to my parents, when I was coaching those kids, it's like, listen, once your kid hits puberty, okay, the whole game changes. So whatever you were doing when you were in fifth grade or sixth grade or third grade, or even seventh grade, depending on, you know, when it happens that the body changes and the, even the mental changes that kids go through at that point are completely, completely change what your kid can do. Sometimes they're continue to be great. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they were terrible and now they're all of a sudden amazing, right. whatever. But what you don't change is the process at which they have to work to get to achieve something. 100%. Right? Yeah. So, um, so that's the thing you should focus on, not their, the, the result of their, you know, performance, like right. whether they strike out or whether they hit a home run or whether they've missed the ground ball or not that, I mean, it, it, that's the the fruit of the labor, right? You want to see that start to progress, but that's not what matters. It's, right. it's how did we get to this point? Right, right, right. So playing in college and going through that, like what was your experience coming from high school being recruited to go play and then actually being a part of it and playing in college and, and, you know, would you recommend it to parents? Like what do what do you, what was your experience like? So, so mine's probably gonna be a little different than a lot of kids. Well, okay. maybe not completely different, but, um, First off, all that my coaches always, our college coaches, even high school coaches, the the word that always came um, came from their mouths was process, process, process. Right. It's a process. Yes. And everything, and if you do it the right way, the results are going to come. Correct. Um. So so going back on kids developing and 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 their bodies maturing, some stay really good, yep. some just kind of everybody catches up to them. Yep. But if the training's the same way and you're working that same high intense level and and stuff, that's when you separate yourself. Right. Um, so I would say it's, it's hundred percent the process. As for my college experience, I actually, um, I went to a few camps and stuff like that. Okay. Um, like just, recruiting. Yeah. Like they, they, the college would have like their, their yeah. showcase camp or something like that. Yep. Um, but that didn't actually do anything for me. Uh, okay. well it may have done a little bit, but I had a uh, teammate on my summer team that, um, what's a church of Christ. Uh, he went to a church of Christ private school here in, in, uh, Fort Worth. I forget what it's called. 
think it's Fort Worth Christian. Okay. Um, but anyways, he uh, he had a private tryout with with Harding. Um, okay. They called him. He's a pitcher, and um, I was on my summer team, and I had literally actually just drove to Arkansas Tech, which is in Harding's conference okay. for one of their showcase camps. Okay. And my dad and I happened to drive by Harding because it was an hour off the uh, out of the way, so we went and stopped by and looked at it. And I was like, I like this school. Okay. And so, um, first tip is go somewhere you, where you want to get educated. Okay. And that's the hundred percent. That's that's more important than baseball. Cause right. However, many, how many people actually make it to the big leagues or right. get drafted? Yes. It's very small. So right. education is the most important. That goes across the board, whether you're a middle school kid or high school kid or college kid. Right. Um, and this is kind of again where my story is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um. So so back to the kid, he had his private tryout. Well, he's like, hey, my catcher on my summer team's interested in you guys and has been it was coming to y'all's camp. Um, in like a month. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, bring him with you if he wants to come. So I went and he caught, I caught him the whole time. And then, um, and then they watched me hit a little bit and they were like, well, come on to the camp. Oh wow. Um, so I still came to the camp at the time. They had already had an offer to another catcher. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time the camp came around, the catcher had changed, Turned his mind. Yeah, changed, yeah. changed his mind. And, um, they watched me the whole camp. They were sitting there talking to me. We were hanging out and I had a scholarship offer. Oh um, wow! After the camp, yeah, that's they, called, awesome. they called me like the day after it. Okay, like, hey, we want you to come play for us, and so, um, so you need to get a lot of exposure. You need right. to get in and front so of as many people as possible. And, and so, yeah, getting as much people as, po- as possible, um, taking advantage of the showcase camps. Um, a lot of those showcase camps, unfortunately, they're going to look for the kids that have the that that was kind of the measurables. The measurables. The so how gonna, how tall are you? Th- how fast are you? Right. They're yeah. going to look for that, look at the guys that are Velocity. super tall. They're going to look at Velo. Velo's big, 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 and everything. Yeah. Um. And so because they feel like they can teach you other things. Right. They right. can't teach you how to be six two. They can't teach you how to run exactly. a four two. They can't teach your physicality. Right. And maturity, body right. maturity, and stuff like that. And so I think with the showcase camps, and this is where I was saying that I don't know if they did anything for me just because I'm I'm five eight and was 160 pounds. Well, but you learned how to operate within that right and i got right? to uh, yeah, well, yeah so i got to kind of understand uh, oh there's other people here there's a little more competition in high school yeah. i had i had um i was the only catcher i we had two catchers whenever i was a freshman that tried mm-hmm. out or we had a few more than that but two that were actually like decent and right. like i was head over heels better than him yeah. and knew the coaches and stuff like that because i right. went to all the school's camps growing right. up and so um and then I think whenever my sophomore year, there's two kids ahead of me. So I was on JV and then they were on varsity because we didn't have any seniors that were catchers. And so then the next year, um, they were on varsity too. And I played JV again because I needed playing time. Plus I had an injury. So I actually um, was looking at making varsity as a sophomore and then had an elbow injury. That was going to have to happen to Tommy John. Uh, Luckily did not. Okay, uh, that's but good, yeah. but my VLO was way down from yeah, there. Because your arm was hurt. Yeah. And then as you mentioned later or earlier, it was, it's about hitting. And so my sophomore year, because I, I knew I had that opportunity, I wasn't. I was putting so much pressure on me because I knew I was as good as the other catchers defensively. Yeah. And it was my hitting that was the kind of questionable thing, and I was hitting 200 on JV my sophomore oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 The face you made is exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what it was. <laughs> so, so there, my coach kept saying, "Hey, because they the two other catchers didn't uh, they didn't throw a runner out till playoffs." And so I was throwing runners left at. Right. But they're like, but right. you got to hit the ball. But you got to hit the ball. Yeah, yeah. We can't. We can't have a big, huge hole in the lineup. Because yeah. if you're hitting 200 against JV pitching, you're a varsity. What do you think you're going to face? Yes. And so so that's where I kind of woke up. And then I had my my injury. And then my my junior year, they they uh, they didn't really pay attention to it too much because I was still recovering from the injury because right. it happened just before the season. 
And I hit 500 or close to 500 on JV myself. Okay. My right. so, did you work on it that summer? I did. The, I, yeah. I went back to one of my old hitting coaches. Um, his name is John Davis. I think he's still in the area doing stuff, but, um, but I went to went hit with him and he, he unlocked me and, um, I was, I was stellar and I wish I would have stayed with him in college. Cause he, I'd say he, he understood me, understood my right. body. He was probably one of my favorite coaches in, in understanding different bodies types. And you and saw a fall off like in college because you felt like you. Yeah. Uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily cause I stopped working with him. I think it was different ideas, different philosophies. So then when I got to college, so this is the other caveat, um, there's a lot of turnover in college too. Yes. So like, because everybody's looking for a better deal or better deal or just could make it the or coach that signed me leaves. actually he got fired yeah and so the two our head coach and the assistant that came in they actually weren't there whenever i was there so um it just happened that when, when they had the showcase our head coach's father passed away so he was gone for that and then um and then um the other the coach that actually saw me wasn't there and yeah. so so i came in basically as an unknown They're like them. who are you yeah. yeah and uh so my freshman year i, I think i hit like 320 or something during the fall and they redshirted me okay and this is where if you get redshirted as an athlete is know what is expected of you right but know what you probably need to do extra on the side right and so there's a reason you're redshirted. right yeah. and so like again my mobility wasn't the greatest which is what got me into chiropractic and i had worked hard to get it there well my freshman year of college that redshirted i went from 170 my freshman year um to leaving that freshman year at 198 pounds all oh. muscle all so 28 pounds of muscle. Okay. And I got back the next year. I couldn't move. Like Cause I, you were too tight. I was too tight. Everything yeah. was so stiff. Cause it was all just, just tight. And I wasn't doing any mobility or anything right. in between any of the workouts, which is a catcher is huge. Yeah. It, right. And so, so that's, I start. I literally probably lost two, three feet to my right and left trying to block baseballs. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was bad. <laughs> and so, so that kind of, that hurt me quite a bit hitting again. I think, red shirting actually just taking that year off i lost a lot of timing so mm -hmm. i played summer ball that that summer but i just never felt really right at the plate after that and i felt like my hands weren't as quick and that was one thing my coaches always said man you have really quick hands and i just felt like i couldn't get to a ball anymore gotcha. and so that's where it kind of started falling off from there i got into athletic training so uh -huh. i was in our athletic training program at school so okay. i studied sports medicine okay. and uh, i started working with all of our other sports teams and so scheduling with all that got yeah. a little, a little fringy. So yeah. I didn't have the extra time to spend to put with, in the work. With, yeah. yeah. So like where my other, the other catchers on the team were staying till we get done with practice at six, they'd be there till seven 38 hitting extra and stuff like that. I couldn't do it. Cause I had to go eat and then go to another sporting event right yeah. after that to work yeah. that for, to get my hours for, for, for your my, classes for and your major. class and license and yeah. stuff that I would have in the future. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where mine's a little more unique and probably didn't have as, the the same college experience as most kids but how long did you actually play so i played all four years okay um i was, I was back up most of that i mm -hmm. played a little bit but not consistently not or anything like that yeah. um maybe maybe one game like full <laughs> in innings wise you know what's funny though is and this is just you know my personal anecdotal experience with this but when i've come across coaches um because you know I've, I've been involved in a lot of different athletic or coaching type stuff like i was on the board for myba so i've served on the um baseball association board for a number of years I had a football um uh league that i ran and helped start and got rolling um my kids have played basketball and sorry so i've been in through all of them met a lot of coaches a lot of different people associated with all kinds of sports but um more often than not when i come across people that have played that mm -hmm. were were and when I mean when I say player like uh, you know like a, the Division One baseball player or the ex college football player or whatever the case may be, um, 
they're usually not the best coaches for the most part. Always exceptions, but for the most part, they're not. And and the reason being is it, 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 there's a couple of things, I think, but you know, part of it is is once you've played for a while and you're coming out, maybe you didn't make professional, you know, get to the next level or whatever the case may be, at some point you're kind of trading on your name and your history, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if if you want to continue in the baseball world, well, I was a pitcher at LSU and I right. went to this school and you know, pitched in the college world series. Everybody's like, oh yeah, great. Come come work for us. We want you to be a coach because they want to put, you know, on their billboard that the ex LSU guys here coaching, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. But then when you actually experience them working with your kids and doing things with other people's kids, again, not everybody, but you start to see this. They don't really have the ability, what we talked about a minute ago of taking the information that they understand Mm -hmm. and then relaying that information to a child. Right. Right. And, and that is a detriment because yeah, they, they could physically perform the activities and do the stuff themselves and they did it at a high level, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're able to teach it to somebody else. Right. right, right? right. And more often than not, what I found was the, the guys that had some experience and, you know, cause you can't, except for Jamil, I guess you can't coach baseball if you haven't played it. Right. right. To some extent, to some extent. Yeah. he played, um, so you can teach yourself a lot of stuff. Yeah. But and, you can teach yourself a yeah. lot of stuff, but either way, when you're always punching up, I guess when you're trying to, you know, like you were, uh, uh played, reserves you were back up a while Mm -hmm. so so you're always trying to figure out how do i need to get to start right so i need to work on this i need to work on this i need to okay well what do you do and what do you like it just seems like guys like you and and guys that have gone through that are a little bit better coaches because they've had to like teach themselves how to do things right Right. i I would agree because you gotta struggle through it yeah um so so it's and i think that's honestly what's helped me even so again education I went where right. I wanted to get my education. Right. So, so I, even I didn't play baseball as much as I would have liked. I, my career didn't go as well as I would have liked, yeah. especially at the college yeah. level. But, but again, the sole purpose was to go there to get the education. Yeah. Everybody's so, career ends at some point. Right. And so I, when, and I knew I wasn't going to be a professional player or yeah. anything like that. Um, and so, so it's, it was the stepping stone to what I do now. So, yeah. so yeah. that's, and that's the biggest takeaway. And I played all four years cause I, I, I'd tell myself, I was like, maybe I should have quit cause it would have, I could have focused a little bit more on school. Right. But, I'm also not a quitter. Right. I, I, I don't, I, I was committed to four years of college right. baseball and I was going to play yeah. my four years of college baseball, whether if I were miserable or not, which right. I was at times, I, I, I would have say there's a lot of headaches and stuff. I could have saved myself. If I would have just yeah. the towel, but I wasn't my, my dad and I, he's like, he goes, I know he goes, I know you're struggling. He goes, he goes, I know he goes, we're not quitters. And he yeah. goes, I know you're not one either. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm not, I was like, I'm here. I, part of it was the guys. I was like, I, even if I was a reserve player yeah. is like, they counted on me to help them get better, whether right. it's bullpens or, Hey, Hey, maybe we need to work on this little thing or, Hey, I'm noticing you're doing this stuff. Right. It's, it's the thing of being there to help them too. It was, was part of it. But all that stuff is what made you a great coach too. Right. Right. Know? And that's, and that's the, again, struggling through it, being yeah. able to understand other people. And, and well, it's very difficult to, I think it's really difficult to see um, when you're doing something, uh, and you're in the middle of it, good, bad, or whatever, um, you don't really get good perspective on the stuff that you pick up from that until later, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm sure if you were to look back hindsight 2020, I don't think that you would go back in the future and tell your current baseball self then to quit. No. Right? 
hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. They say that's what always looking back. I would have done this differently or looking yeah. back. I always say if, if someone came up to me and asked, what would you do differently? Uh, or if you could go back to some time in your past mm-hmm. and start over, where would you go? And I, I would have said high school. Yeah. Um, I would have, now that I know, Hey, baseball is not at all. Right. Or not all. Yeah. But that would probably help me in even being better at my career. Cause I wouldn't put so much stress on me. Yeah. And so like, it meant everything to me, but say now looking back at it, maybe I wouldn't have been as stressed out and yeah. pushed so much yeah. on, on certain things and maybe would have done better or maybe I would have. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But I, you know, I think like but I said, going I through would, the experience. Yeah. And I always say God, uh, God has a reason for everything. That's right. And so, so he'll lead you whether or not you're, you're the path has shadows or, or it's clear as day. Yep. I was like, you, you follow willingly and, yeah. and, things open up and say, yeah, there's a lot of God things that's happened in my life too. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, when you go through stuff and, you know, good or bad, and if you, if it's hard or challenging or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to, you're going to take things away from that. It's going to really um, impact your life in ways that you just don't know at the time until later on. And then, you know, I always tell people, it's like, look, if, when you say, can I go back and change something? It's like, well, you could, but if you're not happy with who you are today, then, then maybe you would want to change things. But if you're happy with yourself and you like who you've become, then why would you want to change anything? Right. You know, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Cause everything you went through had some sort of benefit or, right. you know, it's whatever that you picked up today from. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. say baseball career wise, that's what I would do. But yeah, it, I'm um, saying I'm grateful for the, yeah, the road yeah, I've been on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you went to Harding and, um, that's when you got into, would you say that, I mean, obviously your, your chiropractic world kind of started there to some extent, right? Is that why you were in school there? So, so originally, so my, so going back to again, so my, my mentor chiropractor, he was, uh, he was here in Midlothian. He now actually owns a practice in Richardson, but, okay. um, he did a functional movement screening on me. Um, he actually let me come in, um, for a little bit for free because he wanted to use me as a, a example a, as a, yeah, it was, he was, he was pretty fresh out of school actually. And he yeah. wanted to use me as like a clinical trial. So sure. he was going to try some stuff. He was going to track the research and see, okay, Hey, what kind of works best and stuff like that. So yeah. he's going to track all my treatments and then, and then kind of put it together. And, um, he exploded. So I don't think he ever actually put anything together from it all, right. but I say worlds and bounds leaps. My career was so much better because of him. So yeah. I attribute a lot of my success in being able to go play college baseball is because of the work that he helped okay. do with me and educating me on my body and stuff like that. And so that's kind of where I got into that realm. Cause originally I was like, I think I might want to be an engineer mm-hmm. and um, cause I enjoy figuring out how things work and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, chiropractic and healthcare. That's right. You gotta uh, figure stuff out. But um, that's kind of what spurred that, that fire within me to go into the healthcare realm. And so athletic training, um, was kind of the stepping stone okay. and that's i 100 i was up front with the professors and faculty that helped guide me and and, uh-huh. and mold me while i was at harding and i told them i was like my plans to go to either pt school or chiropractic school okay i was like i want to go further than just athletic training um partially that's just because they athlete trainers are overworked yeah um they there's way too many bodies for them to take care of themselves yep. Um, and that's why I, I, and they all get shit on all the, oh, time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And so I, if I ever talk to somebody that's like an athletic trainer, um, I'm, I'm again, things happening with our practice and stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to work in, see if I can get into schools a little bit more, yeah. but I told him, I was like, you're the one that makes a call. Anytime I've like, I've had an athlete come in and the trainer wants to kind of see what my, my ideas of what's going on and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
was like, your call is you're the one making the decisions because you see them more than I am. Right. Um, this is why I see going on. This is where I'm going with it. Um, and this is the idea I have. Um, but it's your call whether they play or not, or they're released to go back into like yeah. the weight room or something yeah. like that. And so I was like, I'm you're you, I was like, this is your realm. I was like, I'm just gonna be a tool for you. Yes. And so because I think a lot of trainers too can get upset or mad because they're like, Oh, well, you're, you're you don't trust me and you're going somewhere else. Yeah. And and so I try to be back them up very, a little bit. Very yeah, very apparent. And if I have a, a, a athlete or parent who says the trainer's not doing anything for them, mm-hmm. and I tell them, I was like, Well, it's probably not their fault. It's because right. it's two of them for four hundred athletes. Yeah. I was like, and I was like, so I was like, they're overworked. I was like, it's a, and, and it's like, that's not their fault. I was like, they're probably the best trainers that you could probably ask for. Right. But, but they have so many obligations and so they're many spread thin. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so that's, and I was like, but that's what I'm here for. Yeah. I was like, I want to be their tool. So if they can't get you better or they feel like you need a little bit more then I'm the guy they send them to. Right. And so, yeah, so that's, and that's kind of where I've gone with a lot. With the training, so so okay, so with the training side of things, when you um when you got into that, and so you knew because so you had the you had the experience of the guy that was the chiropractor that had kind of helped you with your mobility. So once you got into the athletic training side of college, you knew well like this guy was awesome, so I want to do that or maybe this, and that's where you got into because I don't know that. You know, it's always curious how people get into chiropractor, you know, chiropractic. Is, is that the right way to say I think, it? I would, I think it's just chiropractic. Chiropractic. Okay. I keep, keep chiropractic. screwing up how to say it. So when someone gets into chiropractic, it's yeah. one of those things where you wonder how they got down that path because, you know, parents and kids are, oh, you need to be a doctor. Go, go be a medical doctor. Go get your MD or go be a physical therapist or go be a nurse. Or when you think about healthcare, you get in that direction. So the thing, again, personally that, I've discovered in the last year or so about um, the chiropractic field is just the the whole body treatment, which yeah. I'm a big, big fan of and a big proponent of because I think we do too much in um, in the healthcare industry to treat symptoms. There's too many too many medications given out. Too many, you know, these days if you're a doctor and you're running a practice as a general physician, uh, you have to see so many patients just to make money. So when you have people coming in for 30 minutes and you're like, well, you know, they're barely look at you. What's the problem? Okay, how long you've been experiencing? Okay, blah blah blah. All right, cool. Here's a script. You know, go do right. that. And you walk out and you're like, I don't. I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't even yeah. know. And um, the chiropractors that I've met and talked to, it's a completely different approach. And and I think that over the years it had gotten, you know because this is just my personal experience, it had gotten a bad rap um, because if you didn't understand it and you didn't really know what was happening, then it, it, it doesn't seem, it almost seems like voodoo, right? It's like, well, what do you mean? You're going to twist me and turn and you're going to do this. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's part of it, but there's so many other facets to right, it. Right. So what would you, just to give your, you know, synopsis of generally speaking, like, you know, as a chiropractor, what kind of services do you offer? What is the benefit of those? You know, just kind of dive into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so, so, Back to athletic training, it's it's very similar to physical therapy. Physical therapy is just a little bit more deeper into right. like the rehab aspects of it. Right. And so, um, and so with that, my philosophy is very much kind of a mixture of chiropractic and physical therapy. Okay. And so with all of my patients, I, I try tell, to get a little closer. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I try to tell my uh, my patients, I'm going to treat you as an athlete, whether you see yourself one right. as one or whether you are one. Right. Um, and so 
whenever they come in, I'm I'm assessing them as, as when they walk back. Yeah. Oftentimes, I'll be walking straight ahead of them, uh-huh. and then I'll kind of swing around and watch their last little bit of their their walk into right. my room. Right. And so, um, and then when when I'm asking them a bunch of questions, half the time I'm just looking at their posture to see how they're right. sitting. If one shoulder's rocked forward or something right. like that. And so, um, a lot of my philosophy with chiropractic is one where are you not moving mm-hmm. um and that's the big thing with chiropractic is getting areas of your body that's not moving to move right um and so that's the whole sole purpose of the adjustment yeah. um and then the other part is okay where do i need to add strength to help you hold and support yourself so on the movement thing we used we you talk a little bit about um why movement is so important especially as you age because of all the things that can happen you know and because i think older people lose sight of you know, everybody knows eat this, you know, eat right, whatever. Right, but right. as you age, like, oh, I'm tired. I, you know, I don't, I can't go for a walk or I hurt my knee or, you know, I've, they come up with all these reasons why they can't move and have exercise. Well, and, that, and that's the, that's the unfortunate thing about pain is it makes you not want to do that. Right. And so, uh, one of my favorite, uh, authors or, or I forget what field he's in. I think he's a physical therapist, but he, his name is, uh, it's Dr. Greg Cook. Okay. Um, and his, his slogan on his book called movement is first move well and then move often. Okay. And so uh, my big thing, I'll tell people, I was like, we got to move often. Right. I was like, whether you're hurting or not, we got to get up and walk. And yes. so I usually will encourage a lot of my patients to, after they get adjustment, uh-huh. I tell them not to load their spine okay. because if you're compressing something, you're going to tighten something back up. Right. And so I usually say, let's go walk a half mile. Okay. If they, if they don't walk very much, then right. I say, okay, well, let's do like a quarter of a mile right. and then maybe go do another quarter of a mile later in the day right. um, and try to break it up. But I was like, we got to be up and moving because if you go home and just sit down when you're sitting, that's called it's what's called a closed pack position. So, okay. so everything's going to be closed and tight because you're not moving. And mm-hmm. so if you're up and moving, everything's going to actually be open and be um, in that better state of movement. And so, uh, so that's kind of where that all comes from. So, right. so um, going say you can look at, a say grandma Mm -hmm. um she breaks her hip if you get over the age of i think it's like 65 70 if someone breaks their femur in their hip it's a real problem it's a real problem and and so even if you get i think i think it's more so if you're in your 80s yeah and you break a hip yeah like the survival to heal is very one yes say as you get older your ability your body's ability to heal from things is a lot slower right but because you have to be immobile right for so long it's actually that they, there's scientific research that says that you're at an increase of actually dying yeah. because you broke your hip. Wow. Because you're not moving. Well, it's crazy how the mobility side of things, it's like, you know, we say, well, you know, youth is for the young or whatever, but it actually, the older you get, it's like, it's more important and that you move more frequently. 100%. Like I experienced it as, you know, I'm 44. I'm not, not that old, but if I go you know, like over the holidays, if I go a couple of weeks without really getting after it and working out and doing the stuff that I normally would do, mm-hmm. I start to feel it like, you know, and, and it's like my back hurts and my knees hurt. And, you know, I'm like, but then the moment that I go work out again and, you know, back on the yoga thing, my wife and I will do, we do hot yoga. Nice. And that is like, you want to talk about getting your ass kicked. I used to do it all the time. Dude, yeah, it, is <laughs> it is intense. And yeah. anybody who's like, oh, yoga, I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, go do a 90-minute hot Bikram hot yoga class and yeah. then come talk to me after that because it's a nightmare. But as much pain and suffering as I go through doing those classes, if I don't do them, if I go like three or four weeks without doing one at all, then I feel like crap because yeah. I'm just not, you know, it's like, it's like lubrication for your joints and your right. back and everything, you know? 100%. Yeah. And so, and that's the, that's the biggest thing um, 
that I think we'll probably see in a lot of our patients is is it's a lot of them are going to be desk workers yep. or your over sitting here and yeah, and yep. or your overworkers like construction or yep. somebody that's got a very physical job and the physical is just because you're, you're constantly loading your spine right. you're you're picking up things stuff like that where probably not the right way doing yeah, it wrong. right and yeah. so so it's not that they're necessarily not moving it's yeah. just that their spines under a lot of load yeah and so say you load something enough it's eventually going to break down yeah. just like your car needs tune-ups sure. and stuff like that and well especially because it's like repetitive stuff when you're right. doing the same thing in the same it's not like you're working right. your whole body necessarily right, right you know you're you're not doing your legs and arms back but you're just bending over picking up bending over picking up right you know? or or yeah or, or lifting up or, or hanging, yeah, hanging yeah. sheetrock whatever yep um and then, then your desk worker that's it's usually because they're not moving yeah and so so um services that I provide in the office is one, the most important things, the adjustment. I yeah. said, so that's going to get the, the highest amount of movement within the joint itself right. is because of the way the chiropractic works. It's called a high velocity, low amplitude, low amplitude adjustment. Okay. Um, it's the speed of it. It actually will help stretch the muscles. Um, and it works within the, um, you, when you say the speed of it. What do you mean? So, so it's a high velocity. So it's a very quick. Oh yes. Adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. I see. So, so a lot <laughs> I of, I see those on, on social yeah, media so all the you, time. You'll like, see ah! them on, yeah. You'll see them. So it's like, quick oh. and it looks very scary. Yeah. Um, some, I don't, I don't, I try to stay away from TikTok and stuff cause I, I don't agree with a lot of them. Right, right, right. <laughs> they're, You're they're like, Oh little, man, a little too intense. probably doing that a little wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, it's just a little too intense and something. I'll try to be a little more safe. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's the, the 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 speed of it actually tricks. You have a receptor called your muscle spindle, and okay. it senses stretch. And so, if your body stretches too much, too so quickly, it's like a stress res result kind of thing. So so no, so the receptor is its sole job is to is to prevent the muscle from being overstretched okay. to where it tears. Right. And so that muscle spindle will actually tighten up if you're not moving. Right. And it'll get used to that shortened phase, and okay. so it'll stay tight. And so, if you um, with the adjustment, it actually will stretch it out quick, but it, okay. since it's so fast that it actually kind of tricks that receptor. So right. then the body says it'll stretch and it, before it can react, it's like, well, that was interesting. And then it'll be like, oh, that's okay. I can do that far. Okay. And so it actually will. So it's like helps it out. remember that it's capable of right. doing that. Basically. And so, so then it gets it a little, a little looser and a little looser. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people don't respond that quickly. So sometimes I can't do that kind of adjustment on the first right. visit again, right. safeties first. Right. Um, so, so based off my exam, I'll say, okay, well, we'll start, we're going to start with this because it's more gentle because you're either one hurting a lot or you don't have that mobility. So we're going to try to induce that mobility. Okay. And so another thing that I use um, to help get mobility too, is I do what's called a myofascial release. And that's kind of the overarching broad term for it. There's a lot of different techniques that you can go out in there and learn and stuff. Um, there's a technique called Graston's scraping. Um, so I just take a little tool and just scrape through the muscle. So um, that actually gets the muscle to loosen up too. It's kind of like foam rolling. Okay. It's a little bit more uh, intense. Intense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little more. Uh, it's not a, a nice painful. gentle foam. I, it's a little, yeah. I've I, I, I put some bruises on some people a few yeah. times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always apologize for it. Yeah. It's, it it's curious. The one that comes like, I want to do that, that thing again. You're like, yeah. wait a minute, bro. Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I always, I love it. <laughs> why do you get like getting punished? What's our, going on? Our other doctors make fun of me. Cause I, uh, well, we actually just added a new doctor into our office that does it too. Uh -huh. But, um, they always, they would make fun of me cause they talk about sending a patient to me and I just have an evil little grin on my face cause I know it hurts. I was like, and so it's, Kind of my guilty pleasure as a treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And so so that's kind of uh, so I do that, but then um I also talk I wish I had more time to do it, but or at least someone else in the office that could do it is more rehab. Right. Um and so so that's kind of the vision. That's the stuff that's kind like of like physical coming. rehab, yeah, like, so like having either an athletic trainer or a physical therapist or yeah. occupational therapist in like our office space, which we actually we're blessed where we're at. We have uh, Texas Cryoworks that shares the building with us. Mm -hmm. Um that they have a lot of other 
passive modalities with the cryo chamber. They right. have a laser that helps with healing and stuff like that. They have a lot of things that are good for arthritis and stuff, um, but they have an o- occupational therapist assistant that comes in um, and is overseen by an occupational therapist, but she, she'll do rehab and stuff like that. Okay. And so, so I try to push patients that way because a lot of times I can adjust them all I want, mm-hmm. but if their structure's too mobile, then mm-hmm. they're not going to hold that adjustment. So they'll be good for a few days, and then after a few days, it's, oh, I need adjustment again. So if they're too mobile? Yeah, so oh. so people can be too mobile. So um, for example, and that's, and that's when I wouldn't do a normal adjustment. So like the HVLA, where you see the TikTok where they're rolling the yeah. neck or they're putting a lot of pressure into someone's back. Yeah, they're twisting that's, them that's up. When, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. when I wouldn't do that because that's inducing a lot of motion. Gotcha. And so that's when I would go, there's there's other tools we have like a drop table or an activator, which are very, they're still going to be a quick little force. Activator is just a little spring-loaded tool um, that you can put right on the bone and that helps kind of, I usually say I'm trying to drive in a nail right. with it, um, but it's very low force, stuff like that. Um, typically, if someone's had surgery and I'm trying to work in that little area, I'll use the activator because we're not going to adjust this yeah, area yeah. that's got rods or that's right, fused right. together because it's not going to move right. one and, and we're not going to create any, any more issues. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's the, that's one little tool um, that I use for a lot of those patients. Well, you talk um, a little bit about how, because one of the things that I think I learned, I guess, is, is when it comes to what you do is, is there are parts that like, let's say I have pain in my back, mm-hmm. right? My back hurts. Well, it might be my back. Right. But it also might be my ankle. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's, yeah. and it's weird. People don't understand. They're like, well, wait a minute, but, but my back hurts. I'm like, yeah. I know your back hurts, but your back isn't, your back's a symptom of what the problem right. is. And I think if you came and sat in our office and watched me for a day, you would hear me say that a million times. Yeah. Um, because your, your body is a hundred percent a chain. Um, one there's, there's, um, so within the muscle and this is the myofascial stuff. So the myo stands for muscle. And then the fascia is the, is the interconnecting tissue, uh, tissue between the muscle. It's, right. it's what allows the muscles to slide past one another. Without and rubbing so, on each other. Exactly. Yeah. And so it helps slide. But when you get trigger points, it's because of either dehydration, you get an injury or something like that, where the fascia becomes more of a dehesive. Yeah. And so it'll, catch those muscles in. Well, I didn't even think dehydration would play a big role. I mean, I, now that you say that, it's like, yeah, no shit. Like if, <laughs> yeah. if you don't drink, I mean, I'm, I'm again, love drinking water. That's all I have. Reason all I drink, but, but even just the lack of hydration would, could cause your joints and ankles to hurt. hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. And okay. so, so that's the big things. I always, I will always talk to people about hydration. Um, so what's a good, just, okay. Technical again. What's a, if I'm a, if I'm a 40 year old male, uh-huh. okay. How much water should I be drinking? So I, I think the, the biggest recommendation, or the one that I see the most is half your body weight ounces. Uh, okay. And so that's usually what I see. Right. Um, usually again, I would just go by the eight cups to eight. general rule. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. So if it's a water bottle, like the 16 ounce water bottle like this, yeah. I usually say about three or four of those. Okay. A day, okay. And you're All probably right. good. And you're probably good. Um, now if you're drinking coffee or something with caffeine that dehydrates it, you, that is a, it's called a diuretic. So yeah. it makes you urinate and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, you you're gonna lose more water than you're actually consuming in right. the coffee and holding it. So it's so a lot of people. My dad's the worst. And I'll um, drink four cups of coffee. I'll, That's good. Anyway, he, he's a sweet tea drinker, and I tell him all the oh, time, right. I'm like, if you're drinking three sweet teas that have sugar, sugar and, and caffeine. caffeine in there, you're gonna lose a lot of water. And yeah. he's like, well, my leg keeps cramping. I didn't think about it that way. So as a diuretic, because I knew that caffeine was a diuretic, but I didn't think about the fact that, and I'm when you say diuretic, I'm thinking well, I'm going to be on the toilet all the right, right? Right, right? But I didn't think about actually like peeing. Like you right. get, you have to, like, like that's what it's causing you to do. So you, it doesn't even get time to soak in because it's pushing it out right, so quickly. Right. And so and if you're doing that a lot, or even if you're drinking, you can drink too much water. Right. So if you didn't have any coffee, but you're drinking 
you all can, your body it, weight. honestly it can be even half your body weight in yeah. ounces of water yeah you can actually if you're not taking enough sodium in or uh -huh. anything like that then you actually will start losing a lot of the 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 electrolytes or minerals out of your urine too. So then that can actually create a deficit for a deficit you. because basically you're dehydrating your body by overhydrating. Wow. And so you're not holding, you're not retaining the water in that way aspect. Too. So that's why, and I, I still don't know why, I, but in the, I read, had seen something a while back. So in the morning when I get up, the first thing I do is I pour a big glass of water and I actually put sea salt in it. <laughs> um, I mix it up in there, not a ton, but right, you know, right. just, teaspoon or something but i'll put that in there because i read somewhere and saw i was like hey if you're gonna wake up and see but that's why because yeah. you need that salt in so, order to yeah, retain so just, yeah so it's just fluid. A, and i it's a it's the help retain the fluid so i have a lot of people like well i drink plenty of water i was like well try this yeah and usually they come back and say man i've been i feel like i that's really been the trick do you, you think know? those um hydration things that are set to the rage now do you think those are good or bad like well, the the you know there's um there's noon and then the one that's the most popular is uh dang it thinking the name it's, it comes in a little pouch you know you pour it in um it's just some i don't know I, I don't typically do a lot of mixes or anything like that so right? i don't pay attention there's to no it. sugar in it it's just a it's yeah. a hydration thing I, I know like um i know if i drink like so sometimes i'll get sleepy we have spark at the office yeah and so i'll take that because okay. it's got natural like b12 yeah it'll kind of give you some energy and right. stuff um but i noticed that makes me have to go to the bathroom a lot more yes and so and i've also noticed if, if you're doing um what my dad does he does like the little again packets but it's yeah. like splenda packets and okay. Stuff like that. okay but i noticed if i do that it doesn't have caffeine in it but it typically is making me go to the bathroom yeah more so so i don't know if it's I just drink it faster right. or something like that. liquid iv that's what it's called liquid yeah. iv so yeah. so that would be good if you're very dehydrated okay so yeah, but yeah. other than that other than that i i it would be maybe uh, there's a lot of people and it's funny that a lot of people use it for post post fun nights and, yep. and hangovers and stuff yep. like that so in that case it would help kind of help your body clear a lot of the yep. alcohol or that residual stuff yeah um that's right if you're it. doing if you're if you're a high intense competitor and stuff and you're doing like if you're a football player and you had a sunday night football game yeah. and the next day that would be when it's good for you right um i don't know if if i mean really I hot guess, baseball like if you're at a tournament baseball, that stuff like that would be good yeah um now if you're just doing it just to do it like well i'll tell you i did so i got on the liquid iv stuff and it might have been the noon i don't remember which one it was but i had uh for whatever reason it was like oh, i'm gonna be high i started taking it like almost every day and you know when we were doing the hot yoga it was fine you know because i would do that because you just sweat like crazy right, so it right, would right. help me feel better the rest of the day but um but when i wasn't you know i didn't realize my wife had, was having surgery and she had to keep having a, she had like a blood pressure thing that she was running her blood pressure off of and i was just screwing around one day and i was like yeah, i don't know where my blood pressure is and i took my blood pressure and i was like holy crap like what the hell like i've never had high, i was like at the doctor like a month or two ago and i've never had a high blood pressure I was yeah. like what the heck happened and then i realized i was taking those hydration yeah. things all day long and because of the their sodium content and everything that was in there it was causing my blood pressure to go right up. well even even just that increase in fluid too that would actually increase your blood volume and stuff so that would increase your blood pressure too. total so, yeah. sense yeah yeah, yeah. So, well, so yeah there's there's a lot to do with so hydration, hydration is important hydration but, is but very important. water and and just a little don't get too fancy right 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 yeah, yeah. say so making sure you're keeping a good balance of it that's yeah. the key so um okay so when you guys do you're doing physical therapy in there now i did want you to say okay so we were kind of got off on, on the did. second with yeah. the water but on the on the my back hurts you know 
why is why is my ankle the problem right so 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 with that um so again myofascial the muscle and the fascia work yep. together so you actually have what are called fascial planes or fascial chains okay and so the biggest one and this is one that we work on quite a bit because we're always working on your back is what's called your posterior chain okay. and so it actually starts here at your forehead it runs all the way down your back and then runs to the bottom part of your feet okay and so that is actually one continuous chain all the way through and if you can imagine all the muscles that are affected on that then you have um get this in a lot of overhead athletes too it's your lateral chain or your lateral sling and it's actually kind of follows the the pattern of your lat and so your lat starts here in the front of your shoulder and then fans down under your armpit and fans out across the side of your back right and so that is how it can connect and that's actually i talked to if i ever do hitting lessons which I don't do very many because hitting was not my forte. I, I usually stick with what I'm good at catching. Yeah. Um, and so um, I'll talk to them about having to keep their elbow into their side because it keeps their lat engaged. Mm. And that's actually how you translate power from your back and your hips into your arms. And so then it translates into the back. So you keep it in here versus this stuff. Right. That we were so, so, so if you watch a lot of major league hitters, they'll do all their, their nonsense before right. they're hit. Right. But then if you look at their, they get here. their contact point, yeah. they're all going to be very, very relatively same yeah. in their contact point. And the bat's going to be almost locked into their, their, the edge of the shoulder. Wow. Okay. And so, and so that's, again, they're getting their lat and their, and everything engaged. Right. And so that, that everything can translate. Cause the lat actually, it runs and stops right at the hips. Okay. And so, but again, there's fascial planes that can connect it. So if your hip gets off, something in your shoulder could be off. Right. Um, there's there's also um, very common conditions, and a lot of people have them. It's called upper and lower cross syndrome. Okay. And so it's typically if you make an X on your body. So if you're going through my shoulders and you make an X, typically upper cross syndrome is going to be a um, tightness. You're too tight in your pecs, which right. rolls you forward. You're too weak in your upper back. So right. your rhomboids and everything that's in, in between your shoulders. And then um, you get weak here in the front, and right. then you get overly tight in the back of your neck. So then you get this. Kind of like, and that's why when you when you work here. that's when you work out you want to be able, you got to work all the muscles because right. otherwise if you overwork the chest or you overwork this part it's going to offset right and I, and I can tell you how many people i tell hey stop working on your chest right and they're like but that's what everybody sees <laughs> but that's i'm like, trying to be jack bro like, but no one cares right 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 <laughs> no one's looking at you man and, and, and that's what i, I yeah i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything yeah um so let's say that's that's a lot of the a lot of the thing and um there's even like uh if you have a bad breathing breathing pattern um, so I've been talking about, I just actually took a seminar on the shoulder um, for my continuing education. And, and one thing they talked about was breathing. And so if you're, if you're breathing through your chest and stuff, that actually requires some of the muscles that connect to your shoulders. And so if you're stressed or if you're just high respiration, so working out and stuff like that, and you're breathing through your chest, you're using a lot of the neck muscles and then the muscles around your shoulders. And so that could even create shoulder pain. Wow. Um, and so it's, if you can get the breathing pattern down and actually have them work using their diaphragm, which Belinda uh, was talking about the other day mm -hmm. um, with the yoga session, I went and helped out with her on Tuesday night this yeah. week. And uh, she was talking about using your belly to, to breathe. And, um, and so, so that's how huge just being able to use your diaphragm will be in taking a lot of pressure off pressure your off your ch chest and shoulders yeah. there's a book i read um have you ever heard of it's called breath breathe the breath and it's by james nestor i think i've seen it but i haven't read it so it's awesome and, and i loved it because i'm a mouth breather and i have been my yeah. whole life oh, I oh. it. yeah. <laughs> it's just how i exist like that's part of the reason i like having the screen here because i remind myself every once in a while like, close your mouth bo um <laughs> but uh but in the book, he he talks about nose breathing and how important it is because like it's yeah. changed just like your your mandible and your chin and how much us chewing like because food is softer and you know used to you know back in the 
the old days where you know you're chewing on you know everything isn't soft and easily digestible it's a lot right. harder but but that that breathing is so important because it it impacts everything else especially when you breathe through your nose there's a certain level of, of filtering that occurs that doesn't yeah. happen when you breathe through your mouth and i think you tend to breathe more like you said from your stomach right. than you do just you know that in and out that quick stuff that you do right. when you're working out right right and so so yeah if you can get to that where you are doing that quick breath in your belly that'll typically take a lot of that pressure off your chest so you're yeah. not not again using those muscles right and so as i get a lot of people who who um say i always tell people too this that our world's constantly it's it's fast paced mm -hmm. and and that creates stress whether yeah. you know it or not yeah. you're driving down the street you're constantly having to look around and be aware yeah. and um this is the other cool thing about chiropractic too that i talk about with patients is you have two parts of your nervous system um and one's your sympathetic nervous system which is your fire flight mode right. and then the other is your parasympathetic nervous system which is your rest and digest mm -hmm. and i can without boring you with the the never you will never bore me never bore me are <laughs> uh, getting into it too deep basically the world around us is driving that sympathetic nervous system yeah. and, and um, well, when you're driving you're in fight or flight people don't realize that right. when you're in your car you're in this metal box driving down the road you may feel relaxed and at ease right but yeah. your brain is going oh 100, crap 100%. what's going on and, and, and so it's stuff like that that's constantly triggering you yeah or keeping you in that state that your body doesn't doesn't ever relax so right. even if you're sleeping it's a lot, a lot of people have insomnia where they can't even either go they can't fall asleep or they stay wake asleep up and they can't stay asleep yeah. yeah and so or their mind's constantly racing it's because that's so high and elevated that they can't get into that rest. well and back to your move point that's why exercise is so incredibly important because you have to wear yourself out exactly. like you got to do hard shit so you you're exhausted by the end of the day to some extent because all of the all of the stress that you've built up all day long if you can just right. shove it out because you go run for five miles or you get right. on the, you let go of it and forget it that's of, right yeah yeah. Or you take it out and you work out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, so yeah. So, in the, and there's, there's research too that shows that there, the parasympathetic levels actually get driven up by an adjustment because it does create a sense of ease in the body. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, endorphins and stuff like that that get released with an adjustment, which give you a sense of, of well being and stuff like that. Do you experience like people coming into your practice and starting at a certain point that because of what you guys, because again, comparing it to going to the general, you know, practitioner that you're going to go visit because you hurt your knee or whatever, the orthopedist or whatever, that they're going to give you a pain med. They're going to tell you, you know, stay off of it. I think at least it, it appears from my experience, because my, I said my wife had gone through a couple surgeries. At least there's a, they're starting to get better in the world of, Hey, after you have something happen, you need to actually work on like keep yeah. motion. Don't, don't rest and, you know, sit because it just makes it worse. But well, do you guys see that when you bring a patient in and you're working with them that, their overall health starts to improve because yeah, you started with an issue, but because you've given them the, you got to move, you got to hydrate, you got to do all these other things that that person, all of a sudden you look up two years later, they're still your patient and they've become a hundred percent healthier person across the board. 100%. Um, I actually was just telling somebody, I was like, Hey, congrats. You've been my patient for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you were one of my first ones. Yeah. And, uh, and they've been, I see them. I, I think originally saw them a couple of times a week for a while. Wow. And then, and for, probably probably a few weeks it's usually what how long it takes is, is a couple of weeks to get people out of pain right. but there's that longevity of keeping you one keeping you out of pain but also working on the small things that's going to help you maintain one, maintain and function properly yeah um and so i was joking with her i was like hey, congrats <laughs> and uh, uh but that's one thing that um i often get with with patients is um is man 
I've been sleeping a lot better. Um, that's actually probably one of the biggest things that will bring people in, especially guys, it seems like, yeah. um, is that, oh, it's been affecting my sleep. So that's when I yeah. figured I should go get, get looked at. Well, guys, we live in this world to some extent where we, we you know, we got to be tough, right? right. We got to deal with shit. You know, it's like, get over it. Stop crying about it. Like, right. just deal with it. It'll and, go away. Yeah. And, and that's fine to a certain extent. But the problem is, is that stuff adds up. You know, and and when you when you experience the normal amount of stress that you have in any day, and and again, I'm not, you know, women got their own love, their own stuff yeah. that they're dealing with too, but but just um, from a from a man's point of view, it's like you know you're dealing with whether it's supporting your family or you know just all the things that we have to to cope with on a database, and then and then you're not getting the stress relief of exercise out and pushing that out, then all of this stuff starts to build up and it starts to manifest itself in so many different ways right. that if you don't have somebody that you can go to and they go, Hey dude, like it's okay. Like yeah. you can de-stress a little bit. Let me show you how to do it. And you are stressed whether you believe it or not, right. this is happening to you. Right. right. Yeah. I can tell you how many times I have a, have a, uh, and it's usually, it, it happens women and men women are usually more open to sharing things than, than yes, guys they like and to I, share more and, yeah and i'll get i'll get a guy in there in the first visit like i'm doing their exam i'm sitting here trying to figure out what's going on with them and Fuck. i get i get bah humbug yeah i'm fine and, yeah it's like it my wife told bit. me how to go exactly yeah. and then and then i adjust them and like they get up off the table i'm like whoa and and they're like and I can't get them to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd like, you do that? Like You're 10 minutes. Wizard. Yeah. 10 minutes later, I'm like, all right, I got to get to the next person. Yeah. And, and they're they're Yeah. And so the next time they come in, man, I've been feeling great. Like I, they, they don't even wait for me to ask many questions. They're just, they just yeah. start talking. And yeah. so, um, and so there, there's that, um, it's exactly what you said. Guys tend to bottle up yeah. and like, they're like, Oh, I'm just doing this. But I can tell you more times than not. Do people come to you? I mean, obviously, I would think more people come when they're not when something's wrong. Right. But do you you guys get many people that come in and just like, hey, I feel good, but I heard this is good stuff. So I'm yeah, here. I would say probably ninety percent of people come in and it's because they're hurting. Yeah, um, uh, we get a lot of patients too because we are more of a wellness clinic. Where we are, we I have a good amount of patients that come in once a month and they're like, hey, What's I had this, this yeah. is hurting a little bit. I've been good, but I'm just feeling a little tight in this area. Yeah. can you get me loose and feeling good. Um, so probably 90% are pain pace patient patients that are coming in with an active complaint. Um, and then we get them out of that and then they see the benefits and they right. keep coming in that once a month kind right. of thing. Cause they don't want to get back to that. Yeah. Um, so that maybe they start with pain, but then, right. You know, let's say you have, I don't know how many, a hundred patients, right? right? 90 of them started with pain and they came in, but now what 50 or 60 probably, of them probably, are no probably, more pain, but probably, just coming in regularly. Yeah, probably, probably 40, 50% of them are, continue to come in yeah and sometimes those those patients will fall off because they ha are feeling so good for so long yeah. and they're like oh i've been good i don't i don't think I something or, or something with life happens and they yeah. had to cancel their appointment or yeah. miss it so they just don't think about it does insurance cover it um so it, insurance is covered my our practice is cash only okay so so we don't deal with anything but you as a patient if you do have chiropractic coverage in your insurance plan then uh -huh. you can actually call them and they'll They'll uh, tell you how you can get reimbursed. reimbursed so, for it. so we provide a what's called a super bill. Uh -huh. um, it has all the treatments we rendered to you. Um, so then you that can, way your insurance can go in and yeah, provide it out. And so like you have to do it as a patient, which is actually they're they're usually more more uh, willing to pay you right. if you're the one doing it than right. they would be me. Gotcha. Uh, but 
say uh, there's a lot of frustration within chiropractic and I would say probably most professions is that um, insurance companies kind of dictate what care we can provide. Right. I know one of my biggest things is, is with trying to get imaging on a patient because we don't provide X, we don't have x-rays in our office. Um, unfortunately, it's one thing I wish we had. Um, but if I wanted to do a simple x-ray, sometimes based off your insurance, if you're trying to use it, you have to go to your primary care and be referred for it versus me just doing it when I have the capability and, and, and wow. and have the knowledge of how to do it and why to do it and yeah i've already did my exam that proved that we need it kind of thing yeah um so they'll make them go to the primary to get the uh thing and it's because of the type of insurance plan they have and so there that's one thing or if i know hey you fell and heard a pop in your knee and i'm probably thinking you tore your acl or something mm-hmm. and i know that you need an mri right an x-ray is not gonna do it but, you but can't the insurance company i i can refer them to it but if they're trying to use their insurance their insurance will say well you need an x-ray on it first but you also have to go to your primary care to be referred for the x-ray and then based off that if they want if yeah. the x-ray doesn't show anything then you have to go back to them and they have to refer you back for an mri isn't that crazy and how so insurance it, can dictate how your care can it's have very it's frustrating insane. and it prolongs the process and it just creates more pain for people because then they're just manifesting. they're just yeah. it's just pain and then they're stressed and that leads to pain too <laughs> it's just it's it's a long man. cascade so back to the chain thing yeah i was like even stress can create and pain can create more stress yeah then creates more pain and it's just everything can boil over and i'll usually talk about Pain's the last thing you'll notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is going again on the guys is stuff builds up. Yeah. Um, pain's the last thing you're gonna notice. So you can do something for your whole life and then 60 years rolls around and then you bend over to pick up a piece of paper off the ground and back you're, snaps or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and you're in excruciating pain, unable to stand all the way up. Right. I get that a lot too. Yeah. And so and just so, came out of nowhere. It's right. like, well, and it's like where were you probably doing? didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm just like, well, were, were you doing anything the day before that night? Yeah. And they're like, No, I just woke up with it. I was like, Okay, what do you do for work? And I was like, okay, have you seen anybody for it in a, in a while? Or have you had re- it, issues like this in the past where it's gotten better? And then, yeah. and usually the answer is yes. <laughs> I bet you get a lot of people that come in that have tried a lot of different things with like their, their doctors and orthopedists or whatever. Yeah. And they're kind of like, I just got to get this figured out. Like this is wearing me out. And then when you sit down and actually talk to them and ask them questions because that never happens when you go 100%. see anybody else yeah. and they're probably like this is this is awesome just because i get to tell you how i'm actually feeling versus you telling me yeah, i can tell you how many people i get in that have been to one their primary or a urgent care or the er or something right where they're like i was there for five minutes yeah. and they wanted me to take this boatload of medication yeah and and I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that <laughs> or not necessarily about that, but let's, okay, well, what's going on? Yeah. And so like our exam is one-on-one with me right? and it, it's a book for an hour. Usually they're a little less because say, it you figure it out pretty quick. Yeah. And yeah. say the, the history of me just asking you. And talking yeah. You to know, you, you've done it a it few tells times. Me. And, yeah. and that's also some of the complaint with medical doctors that, that patients I probably don't understand or or um just know about yeah is that when they have their nurse in there taking your history and ask you some of those questions up front yeah that's just taking some of the time away from the doctor because offices are over over right. over booked yeah um say say the well they have to that's how they that's the only yeah, way they yeah. can pay the bills right yeah and so and so because collecting from insurance like you said is a nightmare is a they, nightmare yes yeah and so uh and so that's that's the 
big part of it is the history. And so a lot of those medical doctors, they don't spend as much time because their nurse already did the history for them. Right. And so, and then with them, and then they don't read it. Cause I've experienced that myself. The nurse is like, what about this? Too. What about this? What about this? And you're like, okay, I tell them everything. And then the doctor comes in and goes, well, what about this? What about, I'm like, I just like, what was the whole point of right. her being in here? And so I get that frustration too. I get some patients that are like, well, I answered that on your intake forms. Yeah. Like, why are you asking me again? And yeah. I, personally, I just like to ask them again. Just yeah. Yeah. Well, that's people, a little, I think that's a little different. Right. Well, some people, yeah, hundred percent different. Cause yeah. again, you're already talking to it. Intake form that you're having to fill out. I mean, you know, you didn't, right. you're not sitting there examining that beforehand. Right. Or, right. So, so I say that that's a little bit of probably people's frustration and they don't see that, Hey, there's this much time. But again, I would agree. There's a lot of doctors that don't even look at that and they yeah. just come in and ask a bunch of questions. Yep. Um, but the unfortunate thing is their, their main source of treatment is to throw a pill at it. Yes. And so, and, that, and that's the one frustrating thing with it because a lot of times, a lot of people go to their medical doctor or their practice, their family doctor, um, for aches and pains or back pain. Or well, something. and I don't think people fully understand the, and you just kind of laid it out a little bit of, of a doctor and this isn't, you know, I don't want to be knocking on MDs. Like they're, they're, no, doing they're, their thing. they're there for their, for a reason. And, right. And so I, but yeah. the way the insurance system is set up, they have to go through so many hoops to get, like you said, an MRI and x-ray order all these things out. And then the time that it takes and then the billing process that they have to go through on all of those different tests that they run, like even just getting, I tried to go in, I picked out an, um, an O OD. Is that right? Not an MD. Yeah. 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 An OD. Yeah. So, um, because of that very reason, I'm like, look, I want, so I was trying to get a blood panel. Like I just want to go get all my levels checked, like yeah. just see where I'm at. And even the OD was like, all right, well, I got to ask you this first and we got to go through this first. I'm like, you can't just let me, you know, I, I'm right. telling you, I want a blood panel. I want to do the, I'll pay it, whatever. I'm like, well, for your insurance to cover it, we got to go through this whole thing. Yeah. Right. But if they want to write me a prescription, you know, for a pain med or for, for any kind of blood pressure medicine that no. the, the pharmaceutical companies have been pushing and pushing and lobbying and lobbying. And now the insurance companies are like, oh yeah, sure. You can write them a script for that. No problem. You want to get an MRI? Uh, we're going to make you go through all these hoops right, to get there. Right. Well, right? Yeah. Cause it's more money. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they're, absolutely. They're trying to hold that. So I tell people too, it's like insurance companies going to hold on to their money as much as possible. doesn't matter if it's home insurance, car insurance, or health insurance. Yes. Like, they're, 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 they they don't want to pay out. They're technically not for profit, but they're for yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's where you guys are so valuable because, you know, it in a way it's it's great. And then in a way it kind of sucks because of the most people have insurance and they want, you know, they don't want additional out of pocket expenses for their health. Right. And it's it's hard, you know, because everything comes with a cost. And it's it's like if you don't spend the money to find out what's going on with your body, then the costs that you're going to pay down the road are going to be so much greater 100%. than if yeah. you take care of it now. And so because you guys operate outside the system a little bit, and most chiropractors do, they, mm -hmm. you know, I know there's some that do insurance, but, but you're operating outside the system some, and you're saying, Hey, look, we're going to, we have all these things that are going to offer great value to you. It's just not always covered by your insurance, but it still is going to serve you a great purpose. Right. And, and I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you've, if you've gone through some kind of event in your life where you've experienced something where you've had your health affected significantly, then you start to place a lot more value on those things. Right. And yeah. if you haven't, then it takes a little bit for you to get to that point. But the money that you spend and yeah, you can get reimbursed sometimes or whatever, but it's no different than, you know, yeah, you can go to McDonald's and go through the drive-thru and spend 10 bucks on a meal it used to be like five now it's like 50 yeah, it's, kind of specific. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy or you can go to help uh to uh um 
uh, what's it, you know, Whole Foods, right? Mm -hmm. And you can go to their little thing and you'll spend $25 on lunch, right? And you're like, well, I don't want to spend that money. So I'm just going to go the cheaper route. But you do that every day for the rest of your life and you're going to be in really bad shape, right? right? Right. So it's just like explaining and having to, for you as a doctor in that situation, having to explain to somebody the value of what you're doing for them, especially when it's, it's such on a long time horizon. It's just right. tough, right? It is. And, and, and so again, going back to patients, it's probably get 30 or 40% of people that decide they want to do the once a month maintenance plan right. kind of thing. And, um, and so with a lot of patients, even if they don't, um, we get them better and they're going to feel good for a while. Right. And then I tell you how many, me being in practice for two and a half years now, I've seen probably good majority of those patients that didn't, keep up with maintenance yeah. and come back in. Yeah. And it's usually, it's either it's a new issue or it's a different, or it's the same issue. Um, but a lot of them will start saying, Oh, I need to do the maintenance. Yeah. And so they, they'll stay on the maintenance. Yeah. And so, and so once they, they, I think it's, it's once they get the, you gotta go through it. Right. We'll say once they understand it, they're like, okay. And then I also t- talk to people about it too. Um, and I probably don't do a good enough job about it in the education aspect, but I usually will tell people, I was like, Okay, we're gonna have to do a few visits up front because we're working with your body memory, a muscle memory, and stuff like that. Right. But if you come in for five visits and say it's with us, it's forty dollars a visit. So you come in, that's however much. That's I can't do quick math, but either way, it's two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Say you pay two hundred bucks for those four visits. Okay. Well, if you paid the forty dollars a month for twelve week or 12 months or whatever. Um, and, but you have that flare up again every six months. Yeah. Okay, you don't have to pay those right, two or three visits. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're potentially paying more for me to get you out of pain versus yeah. staying feeling good yeah. or, or having minimal things pop up in that month and, and staying on that once a month. So you're, you're probably paying a little bit less to be on the monthly plan. Right. As opposed to having flare-ups or things. Do you discuss with people when they come into about, you know, obviously there are individual issues, but, you know, when you were talking about, you know, hydration and certain, you know, whether it be supplementation or vitamins or whatever it is that are going to, that you would say, hey, look, you know, we're going to treat this issue with your back or your foot or whatever, but, um, but, you know, are you drinking enough water? Are you like, do you go through that kind of stuff? So I don't do a whole lot of nutrition. Um, That's one thing I wanted to get more into those yeah. in school physical therapy rehab was my my interest right. so i kind of took my, physical. my nutrition course <laughs> kind of took the back side yeah, we, yeah. Do, we have a lot of classes all at once so yeah. i had to kind of pick and choose where yeah. i needed well i mean hey, like the, whatever nutrition course you took back then it's gonna be outdated right now anyway, right 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 because it changes, it changes yeah every day new something new comes out and yeah. um and even that's old too yes <laughs> which is the crazy thing but um i do give a lot of uh nutritional um recommendations for like inflammation mm-hmm. um because a lot of the processes in our body is caused by inflammation yeah. and so um i'll talk to people about their gut health sometimes depending yeah. again it depends on what's going on i've had a lot of kids in with a lot of stress that's called co- caused constipation and stuff really and i think it, uh, some of it's what had, a lot of it's been weather induced so we've yeah. had a lot of scares with tornadoes and stuff and so some of these schools have been put into a lockdown because of the tornado and stuff okay and that was one of the kids um that came in and um and so, so you have kids coming in with stress bec- or, or having constipation issues because they're stressed out of about other things. Yeah. That are and it creates, and it creates other issues. So this is, and again, not, not proven by science that we can help with constipation or anything. Yeah. And if it is, it's just, I haven't looked at the research, Yeah, but, uh, but by, by creating a, or by restoring motion in the spine and getting the muscles around the spine and even like in the stomach and abdomen to, it relieves to relax, the stress, it relieves the stress and the tension. Yeah. And so, and, and I, that, helps them right, go to the bathroom. Right. And yeah. so, and so, um, that makes getting, sense. getting back on the nutrition aspects of it, um, 
your your gut has what's called the gut brain, mm -hmm. and so you may have read, read about it yes. or heard about it. Right. Um, and so, like again, back to the McDonald's versus Whole Foods, getting a healthier meal versus fast mm -hmm. food and greasy food. That that greasy food is going to create inflammation within your gut. Yeah. And so, if your gut is inflamed, that inflammation will start affecting other Everything. things. It will affect the the um, it'll affect the the neurological input back to your brain mm -hmm. and how your body responds to things. Um, it will it will leak to the spine because your your um, your digestive system it sits really close to the spine so that that will start leaching kind of out of the organs and stuff and yeah. start affecting the spine so i get a lot of patients especially if you it, even with these kids again they're constipated they probably have inflammation on it because those organs are being distended or, yeah. or expanded um which then puts pressure on their spine and so they have a lot of low back pain too wow. and so and so that's why their muscles are super tight and so we adjust them and and it comes back. It's like the coolest story is that kid. Uh, he he hadn't asked for food for two weeks. Like mom's like, I couldn't keep him out of the pantry, and now and now I have to like force him to eat. And like he didn't go to the bathroom. I adjusted him. He literally, like I was I was working on his sister right after, and he was like, Mom, can we have pizza for dinner tonight? And she <laughs> broke down crying. Oh because, wow! And I I get teary every time I talk That's about it. That's awesome. Because, because it was it was that immediate, and it doesn't ever happen. Or it doesn't always happen that quickly, but yeah, but that's a, that's amazing. But that that's kind of like the 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 not necessarily scientifically proven things that yeah. can happen with chiropractic. Yeah. But, but some of the things just by thinking about how the body works together, again, it's a chain, and so so just by by clearing out what we we get taught about what's called interference. So your your spine houses the whole entire control panel of your body. It's yeah. the nervous system. Yeah. And so if and this is another thing I talk about. So if your if your vertebrae are not moving as well, or you have inflammation or muscle tension or something, the the um, the input back into the brain. So the the signal that's received by the nerve that transmits it back to the brain, if that message is is um, is lacking or it's got interference to it where it's maybe muffled down the brain's response to that is a muffled down response or it's the correct it's still the correct response for that muffled down thing i always talk to people about the telephone game where you tell somebody something yeah. and then they have to pass it down right by the end it's not the same it's thing. yeah it's degraded and so that's kind of the idea with if you're not moving well in your spine um, or you have inflammation and that's the big thing is if you have inflammation that will kind of muffle or it'll change the signal um and so the the output's not the right uh, the right output, wow. and so that's where you get your compensations and stuff. So that's when other things start to bother you because exactly. you have an issue with that. Exactly. Huh. And so, so if the idea is if we can clear that and get that vertebrae moving the way it's supposed to, or or open that vertebrae up or that joint up where the inflammation's sitting, mm -hmm. it takes pressure off the nerve, the joint itself, and then the communication throughout your body is that much better yeah, too, and clears up. And so that's kind of my idea with the kid um, having that that reaction to the conservation stuff. You know it. <laughs> With that kind of stuff, though, I always, when you said, you know, we don't have any scientific proof to show this. Uh, yes, you don't. But, you know, it's kind of like the forever, the whole idea of the placebo effect was mm -hmm. was discounted for a very long time just because it's like, well, I'm not really giving you anything. So it's your brain. Okay. But does that matter? Like, right. do, does it matter what is is giving the relief? Right. You know what I mean? The, the goal is to have the relief, whatever that may be. Yeah. So... So if, if, you know, like, let's say the, con the constipation thing with the kid. So you did something with him and caused him to be hungry again. He was ready to eat. Well, you think it was this, right? right. Well, what if it was something else? It just wasn't what you thought it was, right. but it was something else. And did you know, maybe not. Did he know? Who knows? The relief occurred. He right. still had the result that he was looking 100%. for. Right. Yeah. And so that's where the whole trial and error thing comes in, especially with individuals, because I think, I think people forget that health is very personal and what i mean by that is is 
what helps you and impacts you and makes a difference for you mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work for other people right. and vice versa, right? right? What helps them and what doesn't necessarily work for you. So you have to try things out. You got to try different modes. You got to go to a chiropractor. You got to go to your MD. You got to, you know, maybe you need to meditate. Maybe you need to drink more water, whatever the case right. may be, but you've got to try different stuff to get yourself feeling better. What you don't want to do is just quit. It's just say, well, I'm just destined to be in pain all the time. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I get as in I get a lot of uh, I've had a few patients who've been stuck in this pain management cycle. Yeah, I, I there's there's a reason for pain management there's, as there's a reason for a it serves a surgeon and stuff like that. Yes. There's a place in, in a, a job for everything. Yes. Um, but when they've been on a pain management thing where they're getting the same pain meds for five six years and they're still hurting and yeah. still in this and it doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's what are we doing? What right? right. Yeah. You're what just, are we doing here? And so um. You're spending well, money my, on medication every month, but right. you don't spend well, forty dollars. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. one one of my first patients. That's what she was doing, doing, yeah. and no one talked to her about. Hey, maybe we need to strengthen your body. Hey, maybe we need to yeah. get you moving. Yeah. And so she stopped taking all her medications. First thing is, she felt like she had more energy. Yes, absolutely. Because the medications. How many side effects are in medication? Oh yeah, and, and, and you got to take other medications to offset the right. side effects. Well, and again, there's a, a place and a reason for all. And, yes, and and. and, yes. and and now I'm not saying that if you're on blood pressure medication for having high blood pressure, you shouldn't be taking it. No, no you need to be on your high blood pressure medication. Yes. Uh, but, but when it comes to like a pain medication, stuff yeah. like that, if it, if there's, well, and you know, but again, high blood pressure medicine, fine. But if you change your diet, if you stay more hydrated, if you exercise 100%. more, maybe yeah. you don't need that anymore. It doesn't mean you need to stop taking. It means you need to start right. finding ways to solve why you need to right. take and it. Right. That, and that, and that's also a mindset thing. And so, yeah. so a lot of that comes from one, I think our country as a whole, yeah. um, and I, I'm guilty of it. Everybody's got lazy times. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying my wife would like me to be skinnier or something. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, look, it, it's a, it's a, it's always a struggle. Right, it's always a journey. Right. Nobody's she, ever where they want to be. Yeah, but she would like me to work out. But say I understand just as everybody else. It's say it's it, you have to have the energy and 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 sometimes motivation is not there to do it. And then it also gets harder when you stop doing it. Yeah. Um. And so so that's. So that's the big thing is I think our, our society is used to things being easy. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's the kind of thing is, is health is not easy. No. Well, and, and I, and I actually had somebody on here last week. Uh, she's a, um, a psychologist and a, a health and wellness coach and, and nutritionist and all this stuff. And one of the things that we talked about too, was when it comes to your health, um, it's, it comes in steps. It doesn't happen all at once. You know, you're not going to solve the problem tomorrow, but what you can do that's easy is you can take small steps in that direction to get yourself on track. So for example, if you're feeling pain, if you have a pain in your back, if you have a pain in your leg, whatever, go see the chiropractor, right? Mm-hmm. That's one step. Just go see him, go talk yeah. to him. And maybe they say, Hey, you know, it would be really good if you were a little bit more mobile, like if you got around a little bit more. And so my suggestion is maybe walk every day or walk once a week, like just start, try to find a place to start walking and go walk. And then what happens, and and this is this, you only know this when you go through it is that when you start doing those little things, that little today, I walked, you know, around the block one time tomorrow, I walked around the block two times. The next day I decided I was going to stop drinking sodas, you know, the next day or the next yeah. week I decided that I was going to skip lunch because I was eating too much anyway. And I would do a little fasting or whatever the case may be. 
when you start those little pebbles of of health improvements, it turns into snowballs and it becomes something that right. really can change your whole 100%, life. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, everything's interconnected and changed. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. as, we, as we discussed. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. um, we are literally an hour and a half into this deal. Yeah. Um, and uh, it went fast, right? It did. It's, it did. It was quick. <laughs> I told you it goes quickly. So, um, well, I want to let you get back to your family. So I do appreciate you coming in today and talking to me. And um, we'll definitely have to do it again because there's so many other rabbit holes we could go yeah, down with this there's thing. There's millions of things we could talk about. <laughs> yes, we did not hardly scratch the surface on this stuff. So I appreciate it. But um, but before we go, um, and I'll take this out too so everybody can see it. Uh, tell everybody where to find you, um, how to get in touch, all that kind of stuff, where your office is and all those right, things. Right, right. So it's Dr. Zach Cameron. Um, I, I'm a chiropractor and athletic trainer um, located in Waxahachie at Body and Balance Chiropractic. Um, we're, say, we're in the area. Yeah. So if, yeah. You, if you look us up, you'll find our website. We got a lot of helpful tools and things about what we provide in the office. Um, even if you're feeling good. Yep. And there's four of us doctors. So if you don't even see me, so we have three other, uh, three other great uh, professionals that can get you feeling better. Awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for trekking out here to see me all your, I know you only got to go two minutes up the road to get yeah, home. Not so, far. <laughs> so it's nice but, uh, but we'll do it again sometime and I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you. you.